Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of WrestleNomics. Uh, I'm Brandon Thurston. Joined alongside Jesse Collings to my to my east over in Boston, and we have a special guest with us uh, today, who is C.J. Donald, who is a corporate lawyer who is going to help us understand some of the the biggest stories in wrestling of late, uh, including the story surrounding Vince McMahon's resignation from WWE and uh, surrounding the the investigation and suspensions of, of various talent uh, at AEW. So. CJ, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, man, thank you all for having me. Um, I was wondering if you could start out uh, by telling us a little bit about your, your background and, and just why you're somebody who's, who's informed about the legal issues surrounding these big stories. Of course, of course. So um, I went to Vanderbilt Law School. After I left Vanderbilt, I went to an international corporate law firm. Um, I do transactional work. So day-to-day... I help big companies when they have loan agreements, either between banks and private equity companies or the reverse. Um, But I also do a fair bit of corporate advising. So um, when a client says, hey, I have this contract, will you please review it, mark it up, let me know what you think. Is it a good idea, bad idea? Client comes to me and says, hey, my employee did this crazy thing. Can you please investigate, see what's going on, find out the truth? Um, All that kinds of stuff. And a lot of my clients happen to be in the retail, entertainment, sports space. Um, And so as a person that is like a lawyer, but also a big fan of sports and entertainment, this the, these topics are right up my alley. Um, you know, I think I recently had a TikTok video go kind of viral about the Vince McMahon situation. Across you on TikTok, that's how I. I that's how we met, right? <laughs> that's how we met, right? So I have like a very very small Twitter following, but a pretty big TikTok following, and just explaining, hey, why they're doing this, why he's doing that. Um, and that kind of stuff that people probably know intuitively or could piece together over time. But just because of like the things I do every day, right? I like know like immediately, okay, this is like 
this is for real or no, this is fake, you know? Yeah. So I, I think you could really help us. And, and the more people who listen to this, the better, as far as I think it'll really help people understand a lot of the, just the unanswered questions. I think a lot of people have had about these stories. Um, so I think, I think we'll start with the Vince story first. Yeah, let's do uh, it. So Vince McMahon resigned on July 22nd, uh, following all sorts of, uh, reports from from the Wall Street Journal about alleged sexual misconduct and payments that he made related to non-disclosure agreements. Um, so he resigned July 22nd, and then a few days later, on July 25th, the Wall Street Journal reported, and I'll read this, this excerpt from their report where they report, the Securities and Exchange Commission and federal prosecutors have launched inquiries into payments made by Mr. McMahon to settle allegations of sexual misconduct. So I was wondering if you could shed some light on why the SEC, and it sounds like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, the Department of Justice would be investigating the situation surrounding Vince and maybe what the possible outcomes and consequences would be for the company or for Vince uh, personally even. Yep, very happy to. So before we get started, I have to say, just all your speak, I speak in my own uh, capacity, not for my company or any of my clients. So the SEC has jurisdiction here because WWE is a publicly traded company. Um, they sell, you know, shares to outside stockholders beyond Vince's family, right? So at the very start of this, we have to remember that the SEC has its own regulations that Congress has authorized it to write to govern how these public companies operate. So you have that like as the top thing, right? The SEC is always going to have jurisdiction here. Now, when an investigation is said to be filed, um, that honestly is something that happens all the time. There are so many investigations that are filed every day that we never hear about. And sometimes the SEC, I'll just put it bluntly, is trying to win a PR you know, battle really quickly, get some news that they're investigating XYZ thing, right? Um, even if nothing happens. For instance, I have a client that came to my firm three or four years ago for some kind of uh, SEC allegation. Like there was an investigation opened. After three years, it turned out that they didn't care about anything that happened. Nothing was done wrong. We got a letter. That was a letter in the mail saying, hey, you're all good. Go about your business. So let's just start there. The investigations happen all the time. Um, not really a big deal. The reason why this would be so important for us to keep our eye on Really, there are two reasons. First, if you look at the investor list for um, the WWE, there are lots and lots of big time institutional investors. Um, and that's something that, you know, of course, they have their own lawyers. They're tied into the SEC. They know the people that they can call to get to the bottom of things if they have concerns. Right. So you're always going to want to know who's playing the game behind the scenes. The second thing is that the WWE is just a huge, huge, huge company. I was talking to a sports client about this recently. And people think about, you know, these sports companies as these behemoths. And really, they're like small entities with a huge presence everywhere, right? So if the SEC can be seen as cracking down, right, in air quotes, on one of these behemoths, then that's going to set an example, right? Set a precedent for everybody else on how they have to operate and behave. So you think this is maybe more public relations by, by the federal government more so than – do we really expect penalties for, for WWE here? So I don't expect penalties directly because of uh, Vince's alleged misconduct. The only thing that I think you might have an issue with here is over time, right? Some of these payments have now been classified as, um, 
as corporate payments, you know, so and they weren't in the financial statements. Right. right. And so the company has been public for years. And what you have there is a failure to you know, warn investors, warn the public of a statement. And that is a representation. Now, there's this concept whether uh, about material representations, right? You've heard this probably a lot in your work, Brandon, of like material versus immaterial things, right? Yes. So is is the fact that Vince, you know, spent 12 mil or so of the company's money over these years material to how the company was doing? Um, or is it immaterial, right? Immaterial being it doesn't matter, right? Probably not, right? But I think if you look at, I think from um, – August of this year, the WWE did file an amendment to the the financing statements to the 8K saying, hey, investors, by the way, we forgot between 2006 and 2012 to tell you that we spent this money. Our bad. We're going to revise our statements from last year to account for this loss. And, you know, we can't say that it won't happen again, but we are telling you now. And then the second thing they had to do, which is interesting, is that they had to look at their auditing practices, right? Because, you know, unlike you or me, they're not just like sitting in the back with their like Excel spreadsheet and using, you know, some app to budget out, right? They have people that do all this stuff. And so what happened to the auditors? What did, where did they go? Where did they drop the ball? That's the thing I think the SEC is really going to be focusing on is, okay, you paid this money. Okay, now you disclosed it. But somebody should have known this, right? Yeah, and th- that- there, are, there are references in there in their filings related to the story about certain, I don't, I don't know if the word is failures, but certain problems that they had with their accounting practices. Exactly. And, and they've, as far as materiality, they've talked about how this, I believe it totals $14.5 million when you add in the payments that are related to the Trump foundation donations, um, that it would, it would be material if it all, if, if it, if it was all in one quarter, but spread over time, they say it's not material. Right. Right. And that's a judgment call, right, by the company and a little bit of not massaging, but certainly PR. Right. Because not material to them, but some investor could say, well, hell, no, that is pretty material. Right. It's all the difference of perspective and um, kind of taking the long term view on things versus a short term view. And, and material means like it's it's a, it's sort of, you know, it when you see it, it's it's meaningful to valuing the company and a reasonable yeah. investor, that sort of language. Yep. Yep. A reasonable investor would think that this is a meaningful thing that you should have reported to me. Right. So if they spend, you know, three or four million on new computers for the entire company or whatever, that's not going to be something that's going to move the needle. Right. But if you have this thing that is tied to hush payments is what the Wall Street Journal called them. That's closer. Right. To something that's meaningful for an outside investor to know, right? Because the investor is not just evaluating how the company is currently doing, right? They're evaluating whether the people that run the company are people that I want to be tied to with my money. It's an interesting point because I think when it kind of came out, the reporting around it was Vince had to step down because he was misappropriating some of the, or the, the he wasn't reporting some of the money that was being spent um, for the company and that, the kind of the way it was represented was in a way that, oh, like the NDAs don't matter. It doesn't matter that these were like these NDAs that were scandalous and involved in perhaps with sexually pressuring people uh, into relationships or things like that. It was all about money. It was all about, oh, there was the sum of money he didn't report. But you're indicating here that 
kind of scandalous nature of the NDAs and kind of the unsavoriness of them still does play a, a factor in how um, this whole thing came about and why he was eventually had to resign. Yes, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. So there are two points there. One that relates to what Brandon just said about how in the um, 8K, they discussed that the money combined with the Trump money, right, the misconduct money and the Trump money combined is a large amount, right? If you look at that same paragraph, they discuss how the Trump money, right, is not something that is tied to the misconduct, right? They like, explicitly say that like, the other money is regarding misconduct. So to your point, yes, the scandalous nature 1,000% is important here. So people can't just go back and accurately change the narrative being like, well, Vince didn't actually do anything wrong. He just mis didn't report the money and that's why he's gone. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's both of those things. Right. And, you know, the, the alleged misconduct that we know about through the Wall Street Journal reporting, through the other books, through the other interviews, all those kinds of things. Not only is it something that like financially we have to worry about, but it's something that we, I think we mentioned this offline, maybe Brandon, the state governments are going to worry about as far as the misconduct um, the federal government's going to worry about as far as the misconduct because, as we said before, it's such a big company, right? It's can set an example for how other companies should or should not operate. Yeah. What do you think the calculation was behind Vince retiring or resigning? He officially retired, but functionally resigned. Why do you think he chose to do that? He obviously still wields a lot of the, you know, voting stock power. Yeah. What kind of calculation do you think went into him eventually, you know, allegedly the big fighter, never say die, Vince McMahon was actually like, I'm out. Peace, guys. No, that is such a good question. So there are a few things that went through my mind when I saw the first Wall Street Journal story. Um, the first one was like, is this true? Right. Like, which you, know, you and all you and I were not there. We don't know. But if this is true, second, like, what is Vince going to do about it in the short term? Because in the long term, like me, I knew. He had to go, whether it was be fired, like retire. And I figured he would retire. But I said on my TikTok that same day, if he does not retire tonight, it is going to get ugly. Right. Because I think it came out around two or three p.m. Right. And we had a smackdown that night. Um, and so the, the reason that I thought it was going to get ugly is because the journal does not report things without having lots and lots of facts to corroborate. Right. And then sure enough, like one week later, we get another big drop of another story with the same kind of behavior, allegedly. Right. So the calculus there for Vince is tied to reputation and tied to money. You know, we're having this discussion as a society right now about what behavior is acceptable, you know, what people are getting, you know, canceled for, what's uh, what's okay now versus back then, all this stuff. Right. So in Vince's mind, I don't know Vince, but I assume he's saying, look, I've done so much for the world, so much for this company, for this business. Why are they going to push me out like this? That's the first thing that I'm thinking as as a as an onlooker, as a fan. But as a lawyer, I'm thinking, okay, if this is true, you've broken the law, right? You've also put your company in a weird position um, with respect to the SEC and the investors. And now we have to look at what your employment agreement says. The employment agreement is probably the most interesting document on WWE's website um, because it has. Is yeah, Vince's employment yeah, agreement, which is filed as an, as an SEC filing. That's right. That's exactly right. It's the most interesting document, right? Because you never think about the owner of the company also being an employee. But if you look at it, it explains exactly why the CEO is never 
going to just quit without a fight, right? The first is that um, if he just retires without calls, then he has a different level of financial output than if he were to um, be fired or to quit. I'll step back and make that clear. Vince gets a set amount of money every year, right? Gets bonuses, all this stuff at the end of the year. If he goes off to the sunset without being fired uh, under misconduct, and if he gives notice of his retirement, which I assume he did under the agreement, then he gets a big lump sum at the very end of that time. Plus, he gets payments over time. Plus, he gets medical taken care of for a very, very long time, right? He's an older guy, so that's kind of important, right? Um, But if he were to leave just like right then without any notice to the board or if Vince were to get fired for misconduct and misconduct is defined in the employment agreement, then he gets a very, very small sum that essentially equates to what he's owed for that year. It's a big difference, right? Some big bonus payments, these big long-term payments versus just getting your salary for that year. So that's the calculus, right? For him. But on the company side, they would never want to fire one, the, the guy that started this whole thing. But also, if you try to fire this guy for cause, since it's misconduct, he's going to fight you to the death. And, and the board would have that power, you think, to to remove him if they chose to do so. I think they'd have they think they have the power to try to remove him for misconduct. Whether or not it would work, right? I think is something different because once again, we this was not you know adjudicated in the court of law, right? And if you look at the definition of misconduct in his employment agreement, it refers to misconduct in the course of his duties so then we have to step back and say okay is is this alleged hush money the misconduct is that misconduct in the course of his duties or is that just like misconduct generally because if it's the latter then we're probably not in that range of firing for calls well with one of the nda agreements we have the knowledge that it was a woman that was living i think in the same apartment complex as him that's right and then he hired her. Yes. And so in that aspect, would you look at that and say like, well, maybe, you know, originally it wasn't part of his duties because it was just, you know, he had an affair with a woman, whatever. But he's the one who decides to hire her. He's the one who allegedly decides to, you know, increase her, her, her double her salary, right, for her role in the company. Does that spill over into his duties as opposed to just, you know, unsavory behavior unrelated to his position or unrelated to his job? Yeah, I think he would fight that, right? I think he would say... Nothing about that um, harmed the company. Nothing about that like went outside of like my being able to produce for you all. So, like my impression, I guess what I'm trying to get at with what's the calculus that makes Vince McMahon willingly, voluntarily resign from his company? I, I, I'm, I was surprised, I guess, that he would resign, that he would voluntarily leave. Oh, really? You were surprised? You were surprised about that? Okay. Because I think everyone figured, in wrestling is. I, I figured there would have been a, a bigger, longer fight. Everything oh. that I've learned about Vince McMahon would tell me that he'll go down with the ship. He he probably thinks he's done nothing really wrong here, and he's going to fight it as, as long as he can to keep control of his company, which, to my view, has been the most valuable, important thing in his world. Um, so I, I guess... I'm I'm wondering if and I know you can't answer this, but like if if there were business partners who were putting pressure on WWE to say, hey, look, we're 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 not interested in doing business with a with a company where you've got the CEO who's doing things like this, or whether there was some legal pressure, like 
these investigations that are alluded to by the Wall Street Journal from from the SEC or from the Department of Justice, where like the the writing was on the wall, and much worse things were going to happen if he didn't resign. You know. Yeah, I, I think you got it right there at the end. I, I think that if he did not resign, he should have resigned earlier. But if he did not resign when he did, it would have gotten really nasty. And you know, you built this whole thing. Do you want to see it crumble down? Especially given that. Stephanie is still like inside the company. You know, Triple H is still inside the company. They're his family. Does he want to see them also lose lose their livelihood? I, I, I think I think Vince has his own set of values that uh, I think he's had some. I would I would guess that his relationship with his family has been complicated over the years, especially maybe in recent years. But oh, yeah. but 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 he did ultimately you know step aside, and now we got Stephanie and, and Triple H very much in, in high positions in the company. Right, and um, maybe that's the calculus is that like he allows he says I'm going to resign on the condition that you know Steph moves up and you know Paul takes over. Right, and, like, she, and she's co CEO with with Nick for for right. background for everybody. Yeah, um, and and so Vince is still. He still holds about thirty six percent of the shares. You know, he's a he's a founder, and he when when WWE went public, it was set up with Class B shares for him and his immediate family members. So he has thirty six percent of the shares, but he has eighty percent of the voting power. So he still has control of WWE, whatever that means. Although he's, as everyone knows, no longer the CEO, no longer the chairman of the board. Uh, so my impression is that means that he could. He would have to approve of any sale of W if W was going to be sold to Comcast or NBC or something like that. Um, the thing that I've heard people wonder about is, well, why 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 doesn't he just like reappoint himself CEO or why doesn't he just appoint a new board or something like that? Is that something that could really happen? Could it happen? Yes, but but it'd be difficult of uh, for a few reasons. Well, really, just one main reason: the board in most companies has staggered terms. Right, so you cannot just um, appoint somebody and then appoint a whole new board in that same exact year, unless people are going to willingly resign. Um, anything else to add there, Jesse? I was going to ask, like you, you mentioned, that the board could try to force him out if he elected to have stayed. What would kind of be the mechanics of of making a decision on who would win that power struggle? Like you couldn't just have a a vote on it. Vince, Vince votes count for more than everyone else's. So he has the voting power. So it didn't matter if necessarily all of them wanted him out. If he has a majority of the voting power in that situation, when a, a board, if the, a board collectively wants to force out its most powerful member or its CEO or its founder or whatever, would that go to an independent arbitrator? How would that kind of be decided? Like who could eventually, if there was that kind of a power struggle unfold between Vince and the rest of the board, how could that be decided? Yeah, so the because Vince has all those shares, right? He gets to appoint a certain number of board members, but once he appoints them, those board members have a duty to the company, right? And most people, like, you know, in my comments on TikTok, are like, "Well, he owns like most of the company; their duty is to him." Say, no, that's actually not true at all, right? Like, if you look at um, the corporate laws, there are books and books and all kinds of things written on these things. Look at corporate law. The board has to do what's best for the company, even if that means sanctioning or kicking out the founding member. Right. And Vince is I guess he was a chairman right, of the board, um, but he no longer sits on the board. And once they're appointed, like I said, they have to do what's best. If they don't do what's best, then the shareholders can file what's called a derivative lawsuit. 
and that means that they can bring a claim on behalf of the company that, hey, you know, this specific board member has failed in their duty to take care of the company by letting Joe Schmo run roughshod over us. By running roughshod over us, Joe Schmo is allowing our company to be devalued, which is costing, you know, me and the rest of the shareholders money. Um, and we've seen in, in the days surrounding those original reports by the Wall Street Journal, I saw upwards of, I don't know, half a dozen press releases from various law firms. They were pursuing class action, it looks like. Yep. Um, I haven't heard anything about that in a while now. I, I don't know if you have any prediction about whether there will be a class action lawsuit from shareholders. There, there have been class action lawsuits against WB in the past, even right. pretty recently. Right. I think, you know, filing a lawsuit is super easy, right? You, you find one or two shareholders who's willing to sign on, and that's that's super easy. The The thing here that WWE did very well uh, is that they were forthright as soon as the report came out, right? Maybe, you know, some people's minds too little too late, but they did make public statements immediately. They, you know, removed um, Johnny Ace, who, if you're watching this and don't know all the backstory, um, John Laurinaitis was allegedly also involved in some of these hush payments and some of the misconduct. They removed him. Um, of course, Vince stuck around for a little bit longer, but he eventually stepped down and he's no longer with the company in like a working capacity. So all that being said, you know, the board acted quickly, right? Um, and they've been forthright. They hired an outside law firm. They've done all these things to have the, at least the appearance of cooperating. Once somebody does that, it's really hard to maintain a shareholder lawsuit, right? Because the thing you want as a shareholder is not to punish the company, right? The thing you want is for the company to do the right thing. And I think people like they get that mixed up sometimes because if the board has to, you know, go to court, you know, it's not going to be the individual board member paying for that. It's the company paying for that, right? So the longer this drags out, the worse it is for all the shareholders. And if anything, since that time, since July, their, their stock price is up. I would guess that there's there's what are you going to sue over if 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 not lost shareholder value? When in fact, since June and July, this this stock price has grown, yep. partly at least due to the speculation around the notion that well, Vince is out of the way, maybe now they'll sell, but it, it was still up substantially even today, if a few yes. percent. Yes. Um, so the the board has done this investigation. They said on the last earnings report which was mid-August, that it was substantially complete, I believe was, was their terminology. So I don't, I don't expect that we're going to see any disclosure about what this investigation concluded or any documents related to the investigation. I think, so tell me what you think. I, I think this is all, what, what, what we're going to see of this, we've seen, and the, the company is just going to try to move on from it. I think that's 100% correct, Brandon. So when they say substantially complete, that's just legalese because they can't legally say it's 100 percent complete or 100 percent accurate because there could always be something that, you know, some lawyer like me forgot to put in or you forgot to ask this question. And then 20 years later, somebody comes back and says, oh, you didn't ask about that time in Miami. Right. Like there's always something. Um, so that's substantially right. But I think I'll put this behind them, especially given that, you know, Vince is no longer working um, with the company. OK. Any, any any other questions, Jesse, before we move on to the AEW drama? Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I mean, that's pretty much all. I, I think it's interesting to note that he – what you seem to indicate is that a potential reason he you know, decided to retire as opposed to wait for the investigation. And you know, Vince McMahon had, I think, created 
this image to everyone that he was this scrappy fighter that would never give up and he would fight tooth and nail to the very end for his company. And it was very surprising to see him just one day, he just, I'm done. Even with, you know, the news coming out and the potential liability that was at stake. And you seem to indicate that his kind of like his, I don't know if he has a pension or his OPEB or something like his post kind of, uh, he still wanted to be maintained. He wanted the bonus at the end. He wanted so healthcare the, coverage. The proxy statement lists the, the top five officers and what it would cost to terminate them, either mm-hmm. for cause or not for cause. And it's it's millions of dollars. We went through this with, with Barrios and Wilson, who were the, the previous co-presidents when they were let go. So he'll he'll get millions of dollars in severance, in essence, and he'll still get health insurance and things like that for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct me if, I'm, if you think otherwise, CJ. That's correct. That's correct. And that for sure went into his calculus, right? Because if you let this linger on, maybe there are more things out there, um, allegations of misconduct, then that might turn into, right, that material misconduct that we talked about earlier, which would then give the board the right to terminate you. And, and as far as Vince's uh, financial gain from WWE, he still, so he has something like 28 million shares, and the dividend quarterly is 12 cents a share. So he's still getting like, over $3 million per quarter. So like well okay. over $12 million a year, just in dividends, as long as he holds on to those shares. Right. Um, as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. But anyway, as we, we can go on to the, to the drama of uh, AEW, I believe it was September 5th of this year. Um, I, I, I was there to witness what was what was wrestling history. Uh, Are you really? Oh yes, my god! Yes, I, was, I was in the scrum. I was sitting sitting in my uh, in, in my scrum press seat. Uh, J- J- Jesse was texting me, you know, alarming messages as as, as the event went on, uh, and CM Punk went on a, a, a tirade of, that included saying things like, you know, I, I, I work with children. We've got EVPs here who think they still work in Reseda. Basically, he was heavily criticizing the executive, executive vice presidents. He was alluding to the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega. And he said that if anybody wants, you know, wants to deal with me, my door is open. So as soon as he was done with his tirade, sitting right next to his boss, Tony Khan, uh, reportedly, there was a big fight. That was a physical fight that included CM Punk, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Ace Steel. Let's see if I can name them all. Brandon Cutler has been cleared of wrongdoing. I believe it's Pat Buck has has been yep. uh, no longer suspended. Yeah, no, he's been back for a while. Michael Nakazawa is involved. Also back. Also back. And who, Cutler's back. Back. Cutler's who, who back I, too. Okay, who, who am I leaving out? The, the uh, Ace Steel's wife was there. I don't know if she's a, a, an employee of the company. Uh, CM Punk's, Punk's dog, CM Punk's Larry. dog was there. Uh, 
Mega. The, Did you say the, Mega? The, the legal officer for AEW, Mega Perrick, was, was there uh, with various reports about whether she uh, told the Young Bucks to go, to go talk to Punk and and all of that. We, we we won't be able to parse out those details about what exactly happened. Obviously, we weren't present. But um, so I, most of those people who we just mentioned, we know are are employees. I would say they have roles in the company that are beyond just being a wrestler. I think there's a big question right now about whether or not CM Punk is just an independent contractor as a wrestling talent or whether he might have had some sort of advisor role in addition to that that made him an employee. Chris Jericho has a role like that. He has been public about that. So I was wondering if you could tell us what 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 makes this complicated given that there are so many employees involved rather than this wasn't just a, a few wrestlers who were independent contractors got into a fight. Yeah, so the fact that a lot of them were employees like takes this really kind of out of the world of you know, being in the ring and being on the road and all that stuff and puts it kind of back into the office context, right? Of like, there's a code of conduct, there's an employment agreement. That agreement says that we can terminate you for any cause, right? On the employment side, um, for any reason, right? And so you look at the code of conduct, if there's one, I'm sure there's something in there about disputes and how you settle disputes within the company, right? Um, and I'm sure there's something in there that says yeah, absolutely no fighting. Right. So you, and you have some HR officer who was probably, you know, not even there that night, who is now having to do all these interviews with all these different people to try to figure out what happened. Yeah, the investigation is reportedly being done by their general counsel, whose name right. escapes me, but he's the general counsel for AEW. Right. So then, you know, what happened? Who was involved? Was there anything that happened before, right, the press conference? If we know that there's back backstory there that will cause this to happen. The thing that complicates it to me is how CM Punk kind of turned this on himself, right? Like the, <laughs> the whole thing seemed to be leading up to this press conference, um, just kind of a, like, a, like a promo back and forth type deal, right? Until that moment where he calls out these people directly, right? So then you have to ask yourself, who's the aggressor? And that person probably gets punished more severely than the others. Like he he does it publicly, right? We can all see. He does it in front of reporters, cameras. Everything's recorded. I mean, right. for all we know, there was a lot of aggression coming from the elite end that was just backstage or in behind closed doors. But we, as the public, and therefore the record for anyone that wanted to know if this were to ever go to court or something like that, would show CM Punk during the press conference in front of a bunch of people, clearly demonstrating. An aggressive attitude. While we don't really know what the dynamic was like backstage with with involving the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, right. that's right. That's right. And the whole you know discussion is about something that CM Punk believes people are saying about him, right? But we didn't know that people were saying those things. Like nobody knew that, right? It, maybe it suggested, maybe hinted, maybe if you're really into it, you know. But it, that that wasn't on the front page of TMZ, right? Mm-hmm. Like like, like I, this had to come. I saw, like, um, I think Brandon shared a discussion you two had um, before, like, talking about um, defamation and kind of how hard it is to prove defamation, especially for a public figure like CM Punk. Can you kind of elaborate on, like, how that could be, a, like, a route that CM Punk might try to prove, but it may be difficult? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to discuss that. So defamation requires a false statement that is published to a third party, right? Those are, like, the, the two big elements, right? There's others, but those are the two big elements, in the case of a celebrity, 
you also have to have the element of that false statement being made with actual malice, right? So say Jesse, you were to say, CJ, that tie is ugly, right? And you tell Brandon this after this, you know, after this call is over, right? Well, you don't mean anything by that. That's not like a malicious comment, right? And you said it, that's your opinion, right? And it's about me, but it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I'm not trying to destroy your character by saying that. Right. And so if the Young Bucks allegedly said, oh, like, you know, CM Punk, like, is the reason that Colt Cabana is no longer with AEW, which is the allegation, right? Were they saying that because they hate him? Were they saying that with actual malice? Were they saying that as a statement of opinion or a statement of fact? Like, like, we don't know, right? Because I don't think has Colt said anything about, about all this? I don't, no. I don't believe so, right? So that's where I saw a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, he's just a suit for defamation. Like, okay, wh- what did they say? But also, like, who did they say it to? Because I haven't seen it published anywhere, right? Basically, I, I, you can fill, fill me in here, Jesse. I think The Observer has reported or did report before All Out that at, at least that there were people who felt that Cole Cabana was moved from AEW to Ring of Honor essentially demoted because of CM Punk in some way, whether or not explicitly or or to appease him. Am I getting that right, Jesse? Well, right what we what I heard from the Observer originally was that Cole Cabana was going to be his contract was not going to be renewed, and we never I don't really know if we ever got an explanation for why his contract wasn't going to be renewed, but it was reported that. People went to bat for Colt in the locker room, and he ended up going to Ring of Honor and being being moved to Ring of Honor instead of having his contract uh, not get renewed. And then later, it was kind of reported that the suspicion was backstage that Colt got moved to Ring of Honor as opposed to being re-signed and put on AEW because of the relationship with CM Punk. Again, and I think at least from what we have, I guess it's possible that these people are lying, but I tend to doubt it, that – after, because CM Punk in his uh, tirade in the presser, he accuses basically the Young Bucks of running to the dirt sheets or running to the reporters and spreading this rumor. Since then, Brian Alvarez, Dave Meltzer, and Sean Rassap, who would be like the biggest figures in wrestling media, have denied saying, we never talked to the Young Bucks about it. They definitely weren't talking to us. So it's possible the Young Bucks were talking to other people in wrestling media but it would seem logical that if they wanted to get that message out like maliciously they would go to the people with the biggest voices which are dave Meltzer and sean rossap right and so that i find interesting in the sense that we don't really have any the evidence hasn't shown that i think these this was done maliciously at least from what we have what we know of so far right or that it was really done at all right because that first element is publication to a third party right so mm-hmm. i guess we could say maybe there's internal gossip about cm punk you know not being a friend to Cole cabana right and and that could under certain circumstances qualify for a defamation suit but then you have to also pair that with like what is the damage right you're going to go to court they're going to say okay this happened to you what's the actual harm right now reputational harm in the locker room okay that's a, that's something. It's not a lot, but that's something, right? But if it, if the young bucks had gone to the dirt sheet, then maybe right that is a bigger harm, like you know, to the fans, to us, right? Then, then we say, okay, that actually would rise to the level of something that we could call defamatory, and you could sue for that. And I, and I imagine AEW is concerned about 
the possibility of Punk accusing them of defamation at some point. And by the way, as far as we know, Punk is still still with under contract to WWE or to, WWE, to AEW. Um, but when you know the the following Wednesday on Dynamite, when they announced that the the title that Punk won was vacated, no mention of his name. Right. As far as I know, there's been no mention of Punk's name since. Uh, I, it, it sounds like they're taking care to not mention him to give him any any ammunition that he may construe as defamatory. That's right. And so I think people assume that like behind the scenes there are people that work for AEW or WWE for both of these stories who are like evil geniuses. But I think most people just like want to do their jobs and go home, right? So they're trying to do this the best way they can. And I think the fact that Punk is like hurt right now helps them because he's like not with he's not traveling at all right now. Right. So um the one thing I would look for is if he comes back Right. What is that atmosphere going to be like? Right. Is he going to stoke another situation or, you know, vice versa? Somebody else going to do that. What are the promos going to be like? Are they going to hit you close to home? Are they going to be about this kind of thing? Right. And are there going to be agreements ahead of time, which you can and cannot say with punk? So, I, and I, I think there's a good chance that at the end of this, punk parts ways from AEW. Maybe they terminate him and terminate his contract. Maybe he has an employee status that they terminate. And I, I, I guess it's pretty hard to say without knowing what their actual agreements were, what their contracts say. But I, I would imagine we, we may end up in a, in a future where there's ongoing litigation between Punk and AEW over wrongful termination would be my guess. Does that, does that sound right to you? That does sound right. So for the people keeping track, we discussed kind of how the public nature of WWE's documents, right? But that's because they are a publicly traded company. They have to post lots and lots of things online. Uh, too many to list here, but lots and lots of things. AEW, by contrast, is not publicly traded yet, right? So the, their inner workings, their employment agreements, what people get paid, all that stuff is totally private. It's a black box. And so we're speculating here. But but I could see a situation where, like, if Punk is not happy with how this all goes, right? You can file a lawsuit. Um, it will be in AEW's best interest like, to not have that happen. Right? <laughs> like, to make him as happy as possible. It's always good to not have people sue you. Right? Because like, it will be tricky again. And I think they're in a, like, from a business point, they're in a really sticky situation right now. Is, um, I feel like um, I'd be interested in knowing about kind of your background in entertainment and sports. I think one of the things people take away from this is they say, well, if I were to punch my coworker, right, I would be fired. Um, I've similar thing in like happens in like real sports. Like uh, if you're aware, like the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole incident that happened yeah. over last week, like for people who don't know Draymond Green, the Golden State Warriors on video during practice, just punched pretty significantly a teammate. And there's a kind of discussion is the same thing. Well, it's like, well, if I went into my cubicle job or I were to look around and punch my coworker right now, I would certainly be fired but this is sports. This is entertainment. This is p- people get have star status and get treated to a different standard that doesn't necessarily exist in the regular world. Can you talk about just kind of how entertainment and kind of revenue drivers and kind of how it's just different than, than your regular life and kind of how that plays into these kind of situations? Certainly. Certainly. So I listened to an earlier podcast of WrestleNomics um, where you mentioned this and you make this point before and it's a brilliant point because I think most good leaders um, treat people fairly, but not equally. Right. So like somebody like CM Punk, he has a little bit more 
right, or MJF, a little bit more like of a leash, right, to do things that are not by the book versus some newcomer, somebody that's just off the street. And so, they have leverage just like they have leverage when they're negotiating their contract problem. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Right. So if I'm going into a, a misconduct um, investigation and I'm investigating a vice president, well, I'm treating them with a certain respect, right? I'm going to like go to their house to do the investigation and the interview rather than like get them in a conference room at the office, right? It's, it's a different kind of level of thing. Um, the point you made about this being entertainment, this being sports is a good one. But I, and I think people at home think about this as like, we said before, like these like brilliant, like, you know, kind of white shoe companies where everything is done by the book. But a lot of times they just like, these people have been brash to get to where they are. And they're not going to stop being that way, right? And so everyone behind the scenes is, is kind of just like this, and you have to take it for what it is. Um, you know, there was a conversation about whether or not there was criminal charges or whether the company could be held liable for anything that happened backstage. Once again, anything is possible, right? But as a one-off incident, um, I think probably not, right? You have the incident, was it last week, right, with Andres, right? That's a, that's a second thing. But mm-hmm. again, right, that's not just random violence. It seems to be something between two people, right? Um, what I would does, look- does, the, does the combination of the, you know, this punk incident and the, and the fight and everyone who's involved in that, the, the addition of that story with Andrade and Sammy Guevara getting in some, some, some kind of altercation, are we, are we starting to build a case for like a potential lawsuit of an unsafe working environment or something like that? So I think maybe like at a foundational level, the answer is yes. But I, what we have not seen is like just random violence, right? We haven't seen just like fights that include people who aren't involved in the the situation already, right? What, what I would look for maybe is something that happens and it overflows and it blows up. And then somebody who was not even involved in the skirmish gets hurt, right? Then you say, okay, this place is unsafe. But right now you have... Two different groups, I guess three if you count the thing from earlier this summer, right, of like people kind of having it out backstage. And if they're cool, then they're probably cool, right? Anything else to add here, Jesse? I think there's some – I think what I think a lot of regular fans think about this right now is they think, okay, CM Punk's hurt. He's wouldn't probably be on television anyway because he tore his biceps. He's got a, a long recovery after that but obviously the elite in kenny omega they the young bucks in kenny omega they would presumably be on television whenever this gets cleared up and i think a lot of fans are sitting at home and they're like man i just wish the young bucks and kenny come back when is this going to happen can you talk about like kind of the timeline of why this invest kind of investigation can take so long and obviously there is a report that one of the reasons it's taking so long is because somebody is threatening lawsuits but can you kind of talk about like why aw has to be kind of careful here and why you know Say CM Punk is threatening a lawsuit. Again, hypothetically, we don't know for sure if that's happening. But if CM Punk's threatening a lawsuit, why that would prevent like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega from coming back onto television? Is that a liability for the lawsuit if you're AEW? What is kind of the rationale behind that? Yeah, so the biggest reason would be that somebody is not helping with uh, the investigation. Right? Someone's not cooperating. And this is a good tip for everybody listening at work, when you see the lawyers coming, remember that they're the lawyers for the company and not for you, right? Um, if they're good lawyers, they're going to, when they sit you down, give you this thing called an up John warning, 
which is literally a statement that we read off that just says, hey, I work for the company, not for you. Anything you tell me is going to go back to the company. We have a privilege here, but it's only because the company's given us that privilege and I'm going to tell them everything, but I won't tell anybody else everything, right? Um, now, if somebody has sat down, like right across from the company's lawyers and said, I won't talk about this at all, then I wouldn't put them on TV. I wouldn't put them back in their in their functioning job. I'd pay them still, right? That's the right thing to do, but I wouldn't put them on TV unless you know what they're going to say. Right. And it's especially if it's somebody who has and we don't know who it is. Right. If it's somebody who's proven to be volatile before. OK, uh, I, th- I think that's all we have. Right. Right. Jesse? right. Any, anything more? Anything else, CJ? I think that's it. Do you want to plug anything, CJ? You want to plug your TikTok? I'll do it. Yeah. So if you go to TikTok and you just search attorney CJ, you can find me. Um, I'm there when work is not crazy. So. Uh, always happy to take questions there or on Twitter. Um, same thing, Attorney CJ. And thank you all for having me so much. I think what you all do is great. Um, and it's something that we need, right? We need like good facts behind the stuff that we love. And so uh, thank you all for the service you provide. Yeah. Thank you very much for for helping us. It's 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 tough. We get questions and we get natural you know speculation that comes up around stories like this that have – you know, difficult legal questions, and I'm definitely not a lawyer, so it's 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 great to have somebody who really really knows the law to, to help us understand that stuff. So, thank you so much, CJ, for joining us and and uh, digging into some of these questions with us. Happy to. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. What's that? I was just gonna say, there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of law degrees within wrestling fandom, specifically, specifically no. the discourse online wrestling fandom. No. Yeah, there's some PhDs, but very 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 few law degrees. <laughs> There you go. Maybe that's a, that's a business opportunity there, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Th- thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, Joe. Thanks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.